Hey everybody and welcome back to our third annual Best Films of the Year podcast. This is the season four finale of TMD. We're going to sit down and we discuss our top five favorite films of 2021. We have an episode of 2019 films, uh, 2020 films, and now it is 2021's turn. Just a side note, this was recorded before the Oscar nominations were announced, so there's a good amount of Oscar speculation throughout this episode. But nevertheless, we love doing these Best of the Year episodes because it gives us a reason to celebrate all these great films that have come out within the last year. And it also gives you guys a sense of our different tastes of movies because we don't always have the same films in our top five. That being said, next week it kicks off the season 5 premiere of Those Movie Dudes, and longtime viewers might recognize that format because we are going back to Collector's Corner, where each week one of us dusts off a physical media disc from our shelves and we do a deep dive into the film itself. So stay tuned to the end of the episode and we'll reveal what film we picked, and without further ado, here are our top 5 favorite films of 2021 with one stinker. That's right. At the end of the episode, we are going to talk about one stinker, one movie we just did not like. So, yeah, have fun with that. Okay, enjoy. Yeah. You guys watch any uh, Zabumafu lately? I did. Yeah. Really? Not lately. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? I love Zabumafu. <laughs> Is it on? Uh, it's probably on Paramount Plus. They have Nickelodeon. I think it was a Nickelodeon show, or maybe it's PBS. Phibus? I think it was a PBS show, like PBS yeah. Kids or something. Damn, I miss I miss that time. You could just look out their window and you would just see elephants. You know what I have been watching <laughs> an obscene and concerning amount of lately on YouTube? S- Cyberbomb. To catch a predator. Oh, a dude, I went through a rabbit a lot of Chris like, Hansen. A lot. Like, this was like a year ago, though. This is back in the more in the lockdown phases, but yeah, so I've much into it. That was when the YouTube algorithm like just took off, and like if, every time you went to your homepage, it would recommend like anything you had just previously watched, just a very similar version of it. So it was just nothing but Chris Hansen stuff, and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, man, he's <laughs> everywhere." I wish, I wish they would do. I a hope revival. no one sees my page. It's <laughs> gonna be like how to avoid you Chris Hansen. <laughs> you'd be very concerned if you saw my YouTube history. I respect um, Chris Hansen. Yeah. I just, I, just, I, I always thought the way he talked was an act, but he just really talks like, why don't you take a seat over there? I just love the one-liners. Yeah, his little one-liners anytime that like... Uh, what are you doing here? He walks in the corner. Here? He's like, how about another slice of pizza? <laughs> yeah, I just watched the Dude. South Park episode about it. And, sta- oh and Cartman's like, no, nah, I just want to get out of here. How about you have a seat? No, I think I'm just going to leave. How about you have a seat? And he's like, how does he do <laughs> how does he do that? <laughs> And then that one guy comes in and they're like, oh my god, it's Chris Hansen. And he shoots himself in the head and then all of them start doing it. 50 times over. Yeah, okay. 2021 (laughs) films. Wow. You guys have your lists all ready to go, ready to talk about some films that came out in 2021. Specifically, the best films, our favorite. Ready to talk about that. that, I thought we were doing... I thought we were doing just the biggest shit shows of 2021, but I guess we can do good movies. No, we're going to do our top five films of 2021. We had some good amount of films. John and I covered a lot of them on the Mainstream Boy podcast. Uh, they oh, go on sure day, all throughout the year. Um, but in total, I saw 86 films in 2021, Ooh. and I went to the theater three times. So I consider that uh. successful. I only have 36 down on my list, but I'm sure there's some that I've missed. But I actually, I went to the theater for... You beat us all, I think. Was I supposed to, like, keep track of this? I should have. I Hold on. I'm just on Letterboxd, 
And then if you hit ranked, then it just gives you all the numbers on on. It's not going to tell me which ones I saw in theaters, though. No, I just remember because I didn't go that much. <laughs> I saw Dune, I saw No Time to Die twice, and then I saw Spider-Man, so four times. Four times. I'm going to try to figure it out. Fourteen times that I went to the theater. Okay, well, all right. Time to get into this. All right, our third annual Best of the Year podcast. Have we, we done this 2019, we've done a 2020, oh, okay. and now we've done, or are doing, 2021. The top five. I think we did top ten in 2019. That was just too much. But um, see yeah. which uh, films made our lists. We don't know each other's lists. I mean, I think John said that I haven't. Peak, I haven't peaked because uh, for the sake of the podcast, that would be detrimental. So I have uh, not done it. But you know, I think we uh, might have some. You know, some similar ones we might talk about. But uh, yeah, no, we'll see. Nate, number five. Yes. What you got? Number five for me was actually one that Spencer recommended, and this is one of the only movies this year that brought tears to my eyes, and that was Coda. Oh, yay. Yay. You have to with a movie like this, because it's got such a good message, and it's really hard to, to get people to understand how deaf people feel. But seeing the cast that's put together for this, and then the girl who plays the daughter, and just how... Mila Jones. Yeah, how fluent she is, going from just talking to immediately being able to sign. I was just so impressed. And she can sing! Incredibly well. The whole final song... for the film. It's so hard to believe. And just the performances of the parents, like Marty Matlin and or marley matlin i think was the mom and the guy who played the dad was just fantastic he has a line or something what did he do he had some moment in the movie that made my jaw drop and my eyes started to water was it when they were sitting in the back of the pickup truck no in the backyard because that okay that scene's amazing with with the two of them no it's i i don't want to say it because it would spoil it but yeah, just the the camaraderie that they have as a family was super strong. Like, I felt like this was a legit family. And just the performances all around just made it a top-notch movie. And it just made me just see what they go through on a daily basis with people trying to understand. And it was just cool seeing it from their point of view. And it was just really well done. It was just remarkable. And I admire those people for doing what they did and telling a story like that. All right. Absolutely. Number five uh, for Nate. Yeah. Coda. Coda. Nice. Very nice. Number five Coda for me is a film that I watched recently. It's uh, been one of my biggest recommends. And most of the time when I recommend it, this, the person will be like, yeah, I've already seen it. It's great. You recommend this I loved to it. a lot of people? Yes. Okay. Um, it's don't look up. I remember seeing the trailer. I'm like, is this going to be a little too over the top for me to the point where like it's not funny? No, no, no. It's it's it is hysterical with the cast in this movie. Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Leo plays the derpiest, like <laughs> overweight kind of scientist guy. Like you never think to see him in this performance, but he just absolutely it's like he kills it because like you see Leo in most of his roles. But this one, I just see. The science is just struggling to tell the world that they're all going to die, you know? And when, he, when he's talking to Ariana Grande, oh yes, my God. That scene is amazing. I it's like so hard. And this movie is not only funny, but it's, it's just scary because this is, this is where the world, this is pretty much a somewhat exaggerated version of what we're living. 
if a comet was to come and kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's where this movie had me like stressing out and also laughing my ass off because it was just everything that what's the director's name? Adam uh, McKay. McKay. Adam McKay. Yeah. He's just, he's a great director. He really knows how to make a movie just entertaining. Like when he made vice, I was like, this is like three hours about Dick Cheney. It was great. Like it was so good. So it just, yet again, <laughs> he, he pulls off a, the I saw one that in theaters and I was into it. The Vice. one thing that Same, I really liked but... about Vice, though, was like just in the middle of the movie, they like had like the credits roll because like, what if this was the end of his story? And yeah, oh yeah, see, that's that the type of so thing. Funny. Yeah, but uh, I think the he editing did is the great. best in the the big short. Um, but yeah, no, don't look. That up. was yeah, also good. I, that movie, I think, had no. I think Barb and Star had me chuckling the most, but don't look up. <laughs> had me oh, that was also great. a lot because yeah, the 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 ongoing joke of like. The chief of the white or the chief of the staff or something like charged fifteen dollars for snacks. Like he he's on like a good payroll. Like like, why did he need to charge us individually? Like the whole movie, she just could not let it go. So funny. She's like, hey, where do do I pay for these? (laughs) (laughs) They're free. And honestly, uh, Mark Rylance in this movie, like every every character had their own little quirks. Timothy Chalamet, Mark Rylance, Meryl Streep. Everybody was great, and I didn't even hate Kate Blanchett. I love her. Crazy for me. I love her. I like that Tyler Perry as well. He was pretty funny. It was was good. It it, it got a lot of backlash, as you would expect, um, because it kind of pulls the curtain a little bit. Um, We needed that that, movie, but oh yeah, I was was Uh, very entertained by that. It came out on Christmas Eve too, so it was a fun movie just to kind of sit back and be like, all right, this is. This is great. Imagine you're enjoying Christmas with your family, and then this is just like a world ender film where it just kind of scares you a little bit. It's a little, it's a little depressing too. And it's very um, bleak at the end for that, sure. And it's almost too real. Like there were points where I'm looking at this and I'm like, "Oh my god this this is how I imagine an Oval Office meeting looking like." Like, oh my god, that was the Biden's second hand guy going, "Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna make sure they put a bag on you, like only you." Michigan State. Uh, let's get the Ivy League people in. Hey, you want some water and snacks? Just throw some in the crowd. Oh, hey, do you want to come? Yeah, and then he just shuts the door. Jonah Hill was such an so asshole. Bad. Oh my god, I love it. Back to some bleakness. Uh, my number five is a film that I was very caught by surprise by it was uh i think nate's seen it yeah it's mass john i don't know if you know anything about this movie or not um it's a heavy heavy film but it's basically just four actors and they're in a room and they talk that's the film it's like august osage county no because that's that's not at all it's like 12 nothing like it if anything terrible or or oxygen or whatever you wanted to call it just it's all one location um, sure. mm-hmm. But it's directed by Fran Kranz, who is the stoner from Cabin in the Woods. This is his directorial debut. <laughs> uh, really, the one who yeah. has like the bong made out of exactly, the yeah, out of the yeah. Cup. Yep. This is <laughs> oh, yeah. He just shit. wrote and directed this movie. It stars Jason no, Isaacs and Dowd. Um, and oh, man, uh, but basically, is the so plot good. is very simple. It's just years after a tragic shooting, the parents of both the victim and the perpetrator meet face to face. And they just have a discussion about what happened. And it's so powerful. Uh, There's so much just intense scenes of just dialogue. And it hits you like a gut punch at times. And the performances are just out of this world. There's been some kind of like uh, 
uh, award accolades and like the smaller award circles, but I think it deserves like at least some, some Oscar love. But I don't, I don't, I don't know if it'll get there. But I'm hoping like it a was. screenplay it will, nomination, maybe, yeah, or maybe something? like an original screenplay or maybe and doubt and supporting but it's it's a fantastic movie and it's definitely worth checking out and um it's very dialogue heavy but it's you get sucked right into the story and it's worth the it. performance is worth it yeah so nate's seen it and he can vouch but it's it's really good so mm-hmm. mass is my number five jason isaacs that multiple times oh you uh, have heard he, of I, I, no i have heard of it uh, i know it was stuckman's favorite movie of the year um, oh okay so yeah, it's, it's it's definitely been it's really good. It's liked in the film community. Um, it's heavy. So, I wouldn't. Oh, I don't I'm know sure. if I could rewatch it's it. Mass. I mean, I don't know, but it's it made it up there because of how much it like affected me. Like when I was watching it, like I was just like torn sure. apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Nice. It's on my cool. list of movies that I I do want to because I I think that will get Oscar love at at the very least because it is in the film community. It's been talked about. Quite and Frank Kranz, so. just the stoner from Cabin in the Woods. Like, I don't think I'd, I've seen him since that film. Just out of nowhere, just nope. writes and directs an amazing film. So I can't wait to see what he does next. Because uh, yeah, that's his, wild. He's very uh, yeah, he's he's on the map. Anyways, yeah. all right, number, all right. Four. Nate, number four, number four, four, four. number um, four. This this movie I actually saw in theaters as well. Um, and I had to travel quite a long ways to see this movie because it was the only theater around at the time that was playing this film. I know. Um, and that was a movie that I haven't seen. Clifford, the big red dog. I knew it, man. You went all the way down to what Boston to see that. No, I I only went to Waterville. I went to my favorite cinema, railroad square. Um, and I saw Licorice Pizza. Oh, I wanted to see that. By Paul Thomas Anderson. All right. Yeah. Why, should we see it? Why should we see it? Why? Yeah. Because it just it depicts a time that's just unfamiliar to us. I believe it's either like, I want to say it's the 60s the and 90s? 70s. No, no. Oh, I think it's okay. like 60s and 70s depiction might even be 80s, but I know that Licorice Pizza was the name of, like, a record store. Because okay. I see it, it saw it on a sign in Fast Times at Ridgemont High once, and I was like, oh, so this was a real thing. But just real performances from people that are just, they work so well together. And, like, the main character, the main guy, is just this random kid that you wouldn't expect to just be such a great actor and he just has confidence on the screen. Cooper Hoffman. And yes. Is that Philip Seymour Hoffman's son? Is that who that is? Because yeah, is. he's definitely got his dad's chops because he was very good. And PTS um, worked with the, Philip Seymour Hoffman so much as well. Does he talk so, yeah. like yeah. Pody? He doesn't. Oh, damn it. <laughs> he doesn't. The but movie. the girl... I forget what her... I know her last name's Haim. Alana Haim. Is it like... Yeah, Alana Haim. Alana Haim. She's getting a lot of critical acclaim for her performance. She just... She's like the new Caitlyn Beaver. She's a... Like, she's a... I couldn't take my eyes off her. She was just like a magnet in the movie. And just... You you saw these two bicker and fight, but then you saw them hanging out and having fun. And it just... It was the perfect depiction of, like, Slice of Life. Because it literally, it doesn't start with, like, your normal intro where you introduce characters. It just goes, boom, here you are, and go. And it just does so many cool things. But Licorice Pizza, (laughs) it was just, it was a nice, heartwarming love story. 
that at first you weren't sure if it was going to be a love story because of their kind of love-hate relationship. But just very slice of life, very romantic, um, but also down to earth, if that makes sense. It just felt very real. Like, oh, these people grew up in the 60s, 70s, even 80s. And this is what they did because they showed like, like oil like shortages and shit. So, yeah, yeah. it was just it, it might be. It might be my favorite PTA film, maybe. Pits, pits, um, and ass. Exactly. Okay. Um, That's a Bob Marley joke. <laughs> it, it's right up there with Punch Drunk Glove for me because. Oh, fuck, I want to see this. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it's, Paul it's Thomas just, Anderson, so I've been really wanting to check this one out. And it, if I've seen it, maybe it would be in my list, but I hadn't. I haven't seen it. I just felt myself from the beginning. I was. It like took me a second because I know Paul Thomas Anderson. He has. A certain way of telling a story. And so it took me probably the first bit to kind of get into it just to relate to the characters. But then once you see them doing all the things that they do, you you kind of just get sucked in. And they just, the way he shows this world, it's like going in a time machine or something. It was just crazy. But I know very, very well done. That that movie has a very large chance of being my number one overall of the year. Because just the way you describe it, it's like, it checks all the boxes for me. It coming it really of age, does. comedy, it's, drama. It's, it's everything I need for a movie. So, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. check it out. I have no doubt that it, it would probably be in top five, if not number one. I and he should get a director nomination. He I might. Would say, yeah, he might for this. So yeah, right. Richard Linklater can for making a movie in twelve years. I think PTA can for yeah, a, but Richard Linklater is a boss. Time. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, it's coming of age, and we all love that. What's your number shit. four, John? My number four is a very Nate-centric film. Um, it is Feel a marriage. 20... No, actually, no. This is this was more like college Nate. Like we're like, oh, Nate's really into horror movies. This is cool. He's going to help us kind of get into that, dip our foot, dip our toe into horror. Um, we'd already dipped our toe into this kind of horror. It's James Wan. It's malignant. Oh, oh wow! Number four. What? Holy number shit! Number four. Shit, dude. I right, moved this one up on the list. list. It's oh, number Gabriel. twenty on my list. I really liked it. I mean, you and I have it. Really? It's my list. number twenty. Okay, nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, oh man. Um, I think I'm a little bit less critical when it comes to horror because I I think for films that have these twists and turns, I'm one to just be like, what? Like, I don't really try to decipher it as it's happening. Like, I do, and this one I actually was trying to. I was it's wrong. ridiculous. It it's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, just no, like... For sure. This movie just... You're really just like... You're simmering in your head like, what the fuck is really happening here? Like, is there a duplicate? Is there this or that? It's like... I think with our review, we had trouble. I think we actually had to end up spoiling it at one point. We did, the, yeah. I think during the we, podcast, yeah, we had to talk about it. <laughs> Sorry, there was no way. <laughs> Sorry, not everybody, to because the uh, the the logline is so just vague. Because there's really no other way to talk about it. But this movie was fucking mind blowing. Like in in the type of horror that they actually delve into, I was just like, shit. Okay, okay, we're doing this, and that that's why like a lot of people didn't really like it. If it like the mainstream audience, not. Not really into the oh, uh, no. whatever it, was happening here that I won't mention. It, it, it's also like just it'll a, have a cult following. It's a, it's very much a B movie as well. Like it's very self aware. It knows what it is and it knows that it's just fucking sure, it's out there and ridiculous. And it has fun with that. And it's it's very different. Like it's like one of those like seventies Italian horror films where you're just like, oh, so cool. What I can't. <laughs> I need crazy. to rewatch it. it I, like this yeah. is. 
for a horror movie, this would be a recommend for me. For I don't even I'd care like anybody. Yeah, okay, it's it on HBO just... Max now, so I mean, yeah, you can rewatch it. It had um, like a for me, it felt there. like a early two thousands, almost like an MTV type of yeah. horror movie. This, the, the, the way the it opened titles. with like the Hard Rock, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and. There's some but scenes I, in this the movie. The acting that... for me was a little eh, but it paid off in the end. Sarah, I'm <laughs> especially adopted. the end. <gasps> it got a little bit silly. It, it it did get a little bit silly, but I think that's just kind of the realm James Wan was jumping into. Like you said, it's guy. It's kind of B movie esque. So I I can I'm not gonna knock it for that. I thought it was just so entertaining and creative, and it, it's a it's a it's a horror concept that I had never seen before. And it actually made me like do some Wikipedia searches to see how realistic the situation was. It kind of fucked with my oh, head. Join Twin or something. Oh, Anyways. Anyways. I'll, I'll cut it. I'll cut it. <laughs> oh my god, uh, Chinese pig sausages. Oh All right. Well, yeah, what? I oh, I love sausage. Uh, I actually have some of, sausage panties for breakfast. Speaking today. of Chinese pig sausages, my number four <laughs> is pig. <gasps> Ooh, wow, that's actually that's kind of an insane segue. Wow. This movie, <laughs> I don't. Know, I just I, I ran with it. Um, that's crazy. This movie surprised me so much because Nicolas Cage has been on a strain of just VOD, just kind of phoning it in. Well, not really. He never phones it in. He's always no. He doesn't. That's the thing. Thirty percent. You're right. But he just takes. He's not like Bruce Willis. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. He takes every role possible. So that's why we have like like eight Nicolas Cage movies a year. But so I, thought this was just, I thought Pig was just another one of them. It's like, okay, great. Another one Nicolas Cage movies? Let's go. Why not? And this movie had so much heart. It had, like, just... It had a very cool um, structure to how the story was told. And it has one of my favorite scenes of the year. And it's in that middle of the movie. It's like when uh, he is confronting an old colleague in a uh, restaurant. And they have like, a 10-minute scene at the uh, table. And... It's just an amazing, amazing dialogue exchange between the two actors, and uh, you learn a lot about Nicolas Cage's character and like what he's really after, and where the movie progresses to, and how it kind of just ends. It's it 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 kind of just was out of left field, and I just was not expecting it. And I think Nicolas Cage gave a phenomenal performance. He's good. He's gotten some uh, critical acclaim and some award accolades. I think he got like, a SAG nomination for Best oh, Actor. Could you imagine so, he gets like, a nomination for the Oscars for this? He, I mean, he already has an Oscar. He's an Oscar winner. winner like, I know. But, um, he, to- he should. He does he deliver should. that do type of performance. He... I mean, he doesn't say much in the film, but like there was like one line in particular where Alex Wolf's character was like, uh, like why you, why you care so much about this pig or something? He's just like, he takes a moment and he's like, I loved her. It was just like, oh my god, that scene. It was just so amazing. And yeah, Nicolas Cage. Uh, it's on Hulu, so definitely go and check it out if you haven't seen it. Don't just bypass it because it's another Nicolas Cage movie. It has a lot of heart. It's good. It has a lot of emotion. And yeah, he delivers a fantastic performance. So yeah, pig. And also yeah. very violent in one scene. That's the one scene that I'm like, well, I was like, what's going on here? But um, yeah, Regardless, because there's like a backstory to pig it. Back, guys. It, it was on this fucking truffle hunt, pig back. Yeah. John Wick with a pig. That's the movie. <laughs> a deconstructed John. Oh, Wick. yes. Um. All right. So my number three. I Great. just watched this one. When did I watch this? One or two days ago. A little oh, bit of. No I must have. Shit. Okay. You watched. Uh. You watched the Suicide Squad. The Suicide okay. Squad right. my is list. my number three. I had I haven't had this much fun in a superhero movie. I knew it. Honestly, yeah. probably since I saw Guardians of the Galaxy back in the day. Well, like I had good. 
And that's exactly why. And this movie was just casted perfectly. Idris Elba and John Cena and their back and forth. Like, there's a scene where they're going in through the jungle and they're just trying to one-up each other on how good of a marksman they are. That was a great scene, yeah. And Harley Quinn, she has one of my favorite scenes or sequences of all year when she escapes. There's a moment in the movie where she escapes because she's all chained up and she just goes on a rampage. But, God, this movie was just a blast. And it started off in a way where I was like, really? Like, this is the squad? Because you see, like, Michael Rooker. The the beginning is strange. It's very strange. Until until you see the... Yeah, until you see the monitor and you see the other squad and then they all walk out of the water. I was like, okay, this I'm down with. And the monster was even interesting to me. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And it was just very. No, the the starfish. Oh, the starfish. Starro, the the conqueror. Starro. (laughs) But the whole movie is it's set up to be. I mean, obviously, polka dot man and boomerang guy. Like, it's expected to get the fucking starfish as a villain. I like this this story. (laughs) But my favorite part in the whole movie, maybe other than the Harley Quinn thing, is when they're like, "Oh my God, Milton's dead," and Harley's like, "Who's Milton?" I don't remember a Milton. He's been with us the whole time. I think I'd remember a Milton. Then she looks out of the cubicle, sees him, and goes, Oh, Milton. I liked him. (laughs) Just like, oh, that movie just had me laughing so many times. I just, I had to throw it in here. And when I saw what other movies it was up against, I I was like, I think I can push it higher. I was pushing for you to watch that. Yeah, it's. It's fun. Great music. Definitely. That's a heavy movie I need to rewatch. I told, again, that's three times so far tonight, a movie I forgot to put on my list. That was one of them. It was so good. I need to watch Peacemaker now. Okay, that's my next question is if you you watched Peacemaker yet? Um, Because the next episode comes out tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. How long are the episodes? Like 45 minutes? Yeah, like 40 minutes. Probably, yeah, 40 minutes. This might be my favorite DC film. I watched it twice. I think. I really like it. Because. Like, the first Wonder Woman I loved, but I think this one edges it out a little bit just because of how funny it was, but it was also brutal. Like, I I need that, like, rated R type violence with comedic humor. It just works. Into the DCU was the best decision they've made by Mm -hmm. far. Like, he he is just. I'm sure they saw Guardians and they were like, we need to do we need that. Him. We, we need that. him. Well, he was fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and he I know, was just a free agent. So DC's like, hey, you want to come play over here? And he's like, sure. Can I do the Suicide Squad? They're like, yeah, why not? And then, yeah. Marvel's back got doing back. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, that David Ayer movie was, I've watched it three times now, and I still hate everything about it. I really wish I, yeah. I'm well, so glad that we have this movie now. To, so I don't. Even that was another instance and, with the whole Justice League, though. Was like the studio just fucking went in and just fiddled with it. I really don't even think you could save it if you uncut that movie. And I don't think it'll and, be much and, better now. But it I, might I don't be, think it might could. be. A, I mean, it'll be better, but I don't know how much better. But yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, John, what is your number three? So my number three is a movie that I said we would speak of again. Ooh, it's time to 
It's the last duel. Okay, this is a movie that I was I was really excited to see. At again, like if you listen to our original podcast where Spencer and I talk about it, I said that I originally saw the trailer and I thought this movie was an SNL skit, a joke, because you look at the actors in it. You know, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon portraying these medieval characters and Ben Affleck has this like bleach blonde haircut. Yeah, they're also portraying Frenchmen, which is also strange, but (laughs) they all just have funny accents. Yeah, yeah, they're trying. But for some reason, despite all of those kind of concerns I have with the movie, it works so well. It really does. And the three act structure of this movie or yeah, three act structure, because originally it's it's Matt Damon's perspective. Oh, I don't want to. Is that oh, going to no, spoil yeah. it? No, it's Matt Damon's perspective, Adam okay. Drivers, and then Jodie Comer, who is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, and Jodie Comer is, is really the saving grace of this movie. If you're turned off by those guys playing these characters, Jodie Comer is the most well-casted person I've seen maybe all year in a film because she plays this character brilliantly. She's so good, and uh, I, I hope... I don't know if she'll get recognition for it, but... Just, just the the concept that this film was tackling, um, and it's actually a true story in a sense too. From I don't know what the 1300s or something like that, um, back oh, in medieval yeah, based times. Based on the last documented like fight to the death duel, in, right? Like, a court, really? Uh, yes. So it it literally now follows. I'm so okay. I don't know how, how what can I say? But uh, Ridley Scott. They duel for a reason, okay? And this doesn't normally <laughs> happen, but they bring it to like the 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 king. And the other people at the table, and it, it's like it, it takes a lot for this situation to happen, and it was awesome, you know. And the way that they they attack the story structure was my favorite part of the movie. It really was because you get these little kind of nits and pieces of the story that weren't there in the previous acts, and that was really cool to me enough to put it in my top five. My number three is a movie that was probably one of my most anticipated films of the year. It was one that I knew that I had to go and see in theaters. I was going to find a theater, even if it wasn't even Ooh. open. I had okay, to go and see this is. in theaters. Uh, even if this. it wasn't open? <laughs> even, <laughs> I'm going to yeah, sneak in and watch see that this movie. movie anyways. <laughs> even uh, if it wasn't a full movie? Spencer? And luckily, the IMAX opened like two weeks before this movie came out in theaters. So Nate and I got to go and see this film in IMAX, and it is Dune. Uh, Dune. Yeah, this movie lived up to my expectations. It was epic. It was just very intense and i love the the cast the ensemble and the the world building as well it, it just was a very very cool science fiction film from Denis villeneuve who was just on top of his game and just making great movies one after one like his he's one of the best directors working by far and i just cannot wait to see what they do with dune 2 like it, this movie would probably be a little bit higher if it was a complete film because it really is just half a film, which is kind of mm-hmm. annoying. But I just I can't wait to revisit this film uh, once Dune Two comes out because uh, this film is just epic and awesome, and I loved it. It was so, yeah, I can't good. wait. I was I was just say it's it's good and bad that it's just part one because the issue with the David Lynch film was among a lot of other issues, it was too much in one film. They they rushed it, and the second half yeah. of Dune is what I'm really excited for because the lead up the character building the world building in the original and this dune was brilliant it was so good and i cannot wait to see what they do to wrap it up i guess yeah the first part did so well with the visions and timothy chalamet's character and kind of 
foreshadowing what's to come, and I'm really glad that if they were going to end it a certain way, they ended it the right way this time, like, at the perfect point. Uh, that's the point in the David Lynch one where they should have done, like, a part two. And now I'm just super excited to see just the aftermath, because I thought there was a lot of fighting and battles in this one. I can't imagine what Dune 2 is going to look like. It's going to oh, be yeah. like Endgame. It's going to be a full-on war. Like Thanos is going to come yeah. down. And it's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be I I, I need more Zendaya. She's I also need more of her. She's like more of the lead as well. She's kind of going to take the crown from uh, Timothy Chalamet. Good. Bit, so. I think I might be and slightly obsessed with Zendaya at this point. Everyone is. I am. Like, I just... Okay, good. It's, she's just... She's one of those actresses that she's just... I can't take my eyes off her. She seems to be such an amazing person, and she just is so good. And the fact that she came from like Disney and well, came up so to do smart. this, yeah, just in, like the yeah. roles that she's taking, and like, yeah, she's yeah, she's the polar opposite of what Bella Thorne became. <laughs> like, genuinely, she came from the uh, same show, Shake It I Up, mean, with Bella Thorne. Yeah. Bella Thorne did Blended, and then basically blended her life up into nothing. And then Zendaya is amazing. She still has millions, so I mean, I wouldn't go that far. She does. I mean, sorry. Her and Danny are just taking over OnlyFans right now. But Dune might have had the best score of the year, I would say. Hans Zimmer, man. Oh, God. Yeah. uh, Like, Spencer told me, he goes, there's a point. (laughs) Yeah, Spencer goes, there's a point in this where you're going to just want to stand up and just get ready to fight. And then the minute that moment came up in the theaters, I like almost wanted to stand up. <laughs> Bring your boxing, like, this, boxing gloves to the theater for It's the second oh Josh Brolin like, just like turns around as they're being invaded. He's like, with me! And the bagpipes start playing. They all just start running. And, like Ships are exploding. It's like, what is happening? I want to run towards the screen with them. Yeah, The worms. Oh, they, it's it's kind of like four house of trees. Oh, we're gonna see them ride sandworms in part two. Like how it's epic gonna be is crazy, oh, dude. Man. Yeah, so I'm I'm all for Denis Villeneuve to go full James Cameron with Avatar and just make all of the Dune books. I mean, I think there's like seven Dune books. Like there's Dune Messiah. Oh, there's Dune. more. Uh, oh my god, there's so many. There's like yeah, imagine like a prequel to Dune. And he's like, I want to like, do more. So as long as it's successful and it's making money, um, yeah. So go see it. I might be very like out there and saying this but he might be my favorite director working right now oh, and the most yeah he's like christopher nolan was there at one point but he hasn't done a whole lot recently but this guy's just pumping out epic after epic after epic and they're all great so it's like yeah just give me more give every me more movie Frenchie. he's done has been brilliant i mean yeah. just mm-hmm. just so good about just everything to do with his films have been Amazing. He's Arrival definitely is... the best science fiction director, I think. I mean, yeah. Yeah, currently. Is it weird absolutely. that Arrival Prisoners... <laughs> so, and Blade Runner... Prisoners is still my favorite. So. Yeah. Anyways, um, that's my number okay. three. Dune. Yeah. All right, Nate. Number All right. Two. Number dose. This movie, my number two, is the only time that I've ever gotten to the end of a movie and been like, Oh, okay, here we go. And then it felt like I got a Mike Tyson left hook to the face. That's literally how I felt at the end of this movie. Being the Ricardos, and I know it's it's on HBO, and it's probably not going to get a Prime whole video. lot of... Oh, is it? Okay. Um, That's why I haven't seen it. I never click on Prime Video. 
I never, I should, I should click on that. I don't see a lot of nominations in its future. Maybe Javier Bardem. It will. Uh, Nicole Kidman is now neck and neck with Kristen Stewart. If Kristen Stewart ends up even getting a nomination. Yeah. Uh, she's, she is winning a lot, Nicole Kidman. She, she won the Golden Globe. And she, and deservedly so, because her rendition of Lucille Ball is as spot on as having Lucille Ball in the movie. Like, that's all I can really say. And just the way that you go through her mind and how she sets up an episode of I Love Lucy and it shows her in her mind and then it cuts to, like, what the episode would look like in black and white, in the format and everything. It's just really smart and really well done. Uh, And it was cool seeing... Just a classic TV show that I I didn't grow up watching this, but it was definitely on like reruns and stuff like that. It was cool seeing the history of a show that was so big. Like this show was big during its time. And it's like the only show on the air or something. (laughs) Exactly. Every family was watching it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they did it at like a prime hour. Like I don't, they say it in the movie, but like, between a certain few years, one channel got like 80 something percent of the national viewers all because I Love Lucy was on at like seven o'clock or something like that. And just being able to go back into that time and see these portrayals of these characters, it was just outstanding. And what happens at the end, I'm not going to say it, but. I'm like so happy. I'm at like the height of emotion. And then, like I said, I just get punched in the jaw and I just have this emotional downward spiral as the credits are going. And I'm like, I know what you're talking Damn. about. Yeah. I, I and like, I might be being super, I might be super exaggerating, but at the time I'm sitting in the theater and my jaw just was stuck wide open as the credits were going. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was so mad at a movie that I loved. <laughs> I was angry yeah. that they took this approach, but it was just great performances. Um, and if she gets award recognition, great, because she deserves it. It's Nicole Kidman. And Javier Bardem was also a standout, just the way he was playing uh, her husband and their relationship together. It was just, it was awesome to see. Uh, that's why it's my number two. I wasn't expecting it to be that high, but it, it deserves it to me. It's my number 36, but I liked it. Ooh, I've just seen a lot of I, movies. I, 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 I like stuff about TV show and the business and like seeing a writer's room and all this that stuff. Gonna, I, I didn't like know that kind of anything stuff. about um, Lucy or Ball besides the fact that she was on... Um, I love Lucy. Like I didn't even know I oh, love really? Lucy that much at all. Yeah, I just didn't know much about the whole. Yeah, I know nothing of the film. I know that I love Lucy exists, and she has like red hair, and that's about it. Aaron Sorkin, yeah. he's gonna get a best adapted screenplay <laughs> nomination. That actually sure. sounds familiar. Or uh, I feel like I it. Know. Okay, Aaron Sorkin's a pretty good. He's uh, good at his job. Writes good things. But like, Social but you Network. can't go wrong with Nicole Kidman. She just. She plays her so well, and it's just, she steals the show. Like, it's, I I, I don't know. I'm talking She's too much about being the Ricardos, but yeah. it, she definitely, and she just knows how to control a scene, and you even see it in the movie, the way that she plays Lucille 
setting up a show. It's just, it's remarkable. I'm going to say my number two is The Last Night in Soho. Okay. Okay. All right. I mm. really liked this movie when I saw it. Anya Taylor-Joy, Thomason McKenzie, you know, it, it was it was really, really cool. It's kind of, it's, isn't it in uh, Paris or no? What city does London. this take place in? It's in London, yeah. And she's kind of this aspiring um, fashion designer and somehow is able to get transported back in time through her, the apartment that she's staying at. And she's kind of follows this other girl that's trying to be a singer and see some really fucked up shit during it. And I just kind of loved the, how she sees herself in Anya Taylor joy. And it was just a really interesting dynamic. Um, the crazy shit that happened and the twists and turns that I really didn't expect for a movie. That's about fashion design at its roots. It was just crazy. And the, uh, the cinematography in this movie, the lighting from from her bedroom especially was so cool because there was always this like neon light that kept changing between three different colors and it kind of worked to the advantage of the scene that was taking place at the time. Have you has any you guys? I know Spencer seen it, but Nate, have you seen this movie? I know nothing about this movie. That's why I took the headphones out. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm- all I've seen is a. Um, like a behind the scenes thing of them dancing and showing how the camera moves and how Thomas and Mackenzie yeah. and Anya Taylor Joy like switch the way they cut and how they're able to do that the characters yeah and I and thought that was cool you'll, but other than that you'll like you got to the apartment thing and I was like uh, I don't want to hear anything yeah, yeah, else yeah. <laughs> I won't say anything else about the apartment but you're right what you mentioned there is actually really cool um because just the way that they transition between the characters like she'll look in a mirror she'll see. Anya Taylor-Joy looking back at her, vice versa. And it's just a really... I just really liked how they filmed the movie, how they shot the movie. Um, and the story itself is just kind of this like 1960s mystery thriller about murder and love, and it's crazy. So I mean, it's yeah. it's Edgar Wright. I mean, you expect nothing less from his directing style, and he does yeah, a yeah. great job with this. And it was, la- uh, it was Edgar Wright's homage to like those Italian horror films like Deep Red... And like, don't look uh, now. Um, the Giallo. Don't look. Donald Sutherland one. Don't look now. Is that what it's called? The, the Nicholas Rogue movie. Yeah. Is that what it's yes. called? Don't look now. With, yep. Yep. With Donald Sutherland. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's Julie an homage Christie, to those Black yeah. Velvet. Was that movie yeah. that we watched? Blood and Black Lace. Um, Blood and Black Lace. That's what I mean. Blood and Black yeah, Lace. It's got okay, that like Italian like horror vibe to the film as well, and I I loved Anya Taylor Joy and Thomas and McKenzie in the film as well. They were just great. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool. It's very stylistic, but yeah, I didn't love it as much this, as I was hoping to, but this, it was this character very good. that is kind of just like this nicest guy. He's, he's like in the film school with, uh, Thomas and McKenzie and he's so sweet just trying to like help her out with this investigation and just the worst shit keeps happening. <laughs> I just felt so bad for him. It's just oh. one of, probably one of the funny thing parts about this movie, uh, in a film that's not really that funny. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Last night in Soho, number two. Very good. My yes. number two is a film that you guys have not seen, but uh, I just fell in love with it. Um, if I think it'll be out soon, but it's called The Worst Person in the World. Um, it's directed by the same guy that made a film that I know Nate and I have seen. It's called um, What's it called? Joe oh, Come Trier. Yes, that's the director. Joe Come Joe Came Trier. Yep. I think his name that's is the director. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. but he he made a film called Thelma back in like 2018 or 17, and I that was one of my favorites of that year. 
and I remember I know, I know the poster. She has a bird yeah, on her the head. Yeah, bird, the dead bird. She's like, yeah. Uh, telekinesis it, powers and stuff. Yeah, it's a very cool movie. But this movie's more grounded. This one's more of like a. I kind of the word coming of age gets thrown out a, a lot, but it's just it's a it slice of life over four years that I watched last night. Oh, you did watch the movie. Very nice. I did. Um, I just absolutely love the film. I love the structure. It's told in ten chapters over the course of four years of her life. Twelve chapters. And is it twelve? Well, there's a prologue and a prologue. Sure. Um, but sorry. Um, I just like I loved her performance as well. Like I, even though like the movie's called the worst person in the world, like she's just such a I don't know bad just, person. Yeah, <laughs> she way. is like, kind I of a shitty person though. She is like, a shitty person, but I was rooting for her the whole time to find what she was looking for because yeah. life is confusing, and the movie does explore that a lot. And um, I just really liked it. And uh, each chapter, like the second, kind of tells you the subtext of like what the chapter's about. And it's, every time that happened, like, oh, I can't wait to see, like, how they're going to execute this. And each time they did that, I was I was pleasantly surprised. So, yeah. The movie was really grounded in what, you know, relationships can be like and how you can't always talk something out. It's sometimes it's just a feeling. I thought that was just a really interesting kind of yes, it's a great real point. emotion that people feel. It's like sometimes you can't explain what's wrong. It's just something's wrong and you need to move on to something else and... It was just really good. It's again, it's one of those foreign films that you watch, and it comes to a point where the subtitles no longer feel like they're there because it is that engaging with the dialogue and uh, just the emotion that's taking place. And this is one of those movies that I had at my number two and oh, moved okay. it out for what last night in Soho. Again, it's Damn, that coming cool. of age genre that always makes its way into my top five. So that's I knew Spencer was about to say it just based off his comments the other day. So yes, it's a great movie. I saw the trailer when I saw Licorice Pizza. Like, it played oh, before that. Gotcha. So when saw I saw it, I was like, oh, It's a very okay. Railroad Square Cinema trailer to show. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah. I'm excited to watch it because the main girl, I know I feel like I've seen her before. She does look like Amelia something. Jones. Yeah, she, she does look like Amelia Jones. Yeah. I was really thrown off for a second. But, yeah, no, I definitely check that one out if it's really that good. Yeah. Damn. I want okay. to see more of his work as well because I... I mean, Thelma was excellent, and this was excellent as well. And this is also, like, he did one of those, like, uh, like the Coker trilogy or, like, uh, the type of thing where there's, like, it's, it's a movie in sequences. Like, he has, like, two other movies that are similar. In a way, they're kind of like a trilogy, but they're very they're hmm. separate. Mm-hmm. But the, the actor, one of the actors is in all three. But, yeah. He has a Criterion Closet video, so if you guys want to learn yeah. about his tastes yeah. and stuff like that, you can watch it. He does a cool interview about it. Very cool. Well, all right. Yeah. That was my number two. So the best movie, our favorite movies of 2021. Oh, Here boy. Here we go. Into 2021 movies lists we go. Let's hear Nate's uh, because I'm yeah. almost 100% positive Spencer and I have the same one. Most likely. So Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of funny because we've talked about my number one without actually talking about my number one. Okay. If that makes sense. It because my number one, I'm sticking with it. It's called Spencer. <laughs> so we've literally said Spencer's name like a hundred times in this episode. So we've te- technically talked about Spencer, but now we're going to talk about wow, okay. Spencer. Yeah, I'm um, because I haven't seen like a driving performance that just made me love this movie so much with uh, Kristen Stewart just became Princess Diana. And 
it was just amazing seeing just this three or four days in this woman's life where it's the hardest point in her life. And you're not sure what's happening, what's going on in her head, but you kind of see how she navigates this royal family and just this overwhelming dread that you feel the entire time. Well, I feel like I've learned so much about her and just knowing what she went through breaks my heart because it almost seemed like she was a living saint that just was good, almost good throughout. She went against the grain. She was kind of a rebel in this case as she didn't want to follow the stereotypical (laughs) royal uh, traditions that they do. Wow. Sorry, really? I literally hit um, the button to I hit the button to mute it and it didn't register and uh, now it's in the fucking podcast. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Um, but just the cinematography for this one was beautiful and it was a movie that when I saw it in theaters, I thought I was in the wrong movie because the opening shows like these cars pulling up to this lot and I'm like what, what did I just walk into? Like, am I going to have to go like try and get my money back because I walked into this wrong theater and then she pops up on the screen and I'm like oh okay so this is just a a weird opening but I don't know why but I was hooked I was hooked the way it was told just from her perspective I didn't see Kristen Stewart I just saw Princess Diana Spencer's got a smirk on his face, and I'm I, know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> like what could it? Like what? It's she's... off podcast. So I'm trying to let Nate just finish. So oh, okay, okay. Maybe we could discuss. Oh, no, oh, like Wait, it's yeah. just I. I loved it. it. It had me hooked from beginning to end, just because you were kind of. She wasn't going mad, but you could kind of see how being stuck in this type of situation could really destroy somebody's morale when you have to do everything by the book. Um but it had a amazing ending that I just thought was perfect for the type of person she was and just everyone else around her and just seeing her isolation in such a big, beautiful place, how she felt so alone and it was just portrayed perfectly. And if Kristen Stewart doesn't get the Oscar like delivered to her months ahead of time, I will never watch the Oscars again. Dude, she missed out on the SAG nomination. All right. Okay. Spencer, wow. Number yeah, one. Yeah, Spencer is my number one. I, Thank you. Wow. Like, and the fact that you just told me that she didn't get a, a SAG nomination. It, it was big. Because like, you know who like did what get you know got who nominated? Replaced? You know who she uh, got replaced by? The girl from Licorice Pizza? Jennifer no. Lawrence. Don't look up. I think Alana Haim did get nominated, yes. Um, but no, it's Lady Gaga from House of Gucci. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh so, my god! I love Lady Why? Gaga, and I haven't even seen the movie, so I'm not even upset. But uh... I, don't know. I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think she will still get a Oscar nomination. Um, but the win is now. It's a gamble. But yeah, if people knew better, they they would. Here's they, the thing. They, if, uh, if, I might have to send well, out some emails. People aren't responding to the movie itself. They think it's too fucking weird. They don't understand the structure. They don't understand that it's a fictional take on this person's life. They were expecting a fallen biopic, like we all said in the podcast episode. Like sure, people, sure. like the audience score is like forty something percent. And if you like, talk to anyone outside, <laughs> just like the film critic circle, it's just like oh. I think if, so if Jim just... Carrey can win for Man on the Moon and the Golden Globes and not get a nomination. 
then oh yeah sure Kristen Stewart can get a nomination and win the Oscars. Stranger things have happened, okay? It's fine. Fucking Olivia Colman won an Oscar for The Favorite. That movie was beyond Like, that should not have happened. Like, I... That movie was bad. Whoa. Sorry. Whoa. No, I didn't no like it. it was not. No, I don't think it was But bad. in terms of structure, if we're going to complain, if people are going to complain about Spencer's structure, sorry, Spencer, they can complain about the favorite, an and that still gets a nomination. Person. Kristen Stewart's more iconic. She was in Twilight. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Archer. it's still my favorite of the year because the way I felt watching this movie and just... I felt like I was watching just this camera follow her and just seeing everything. Uh, it just well, it, pisses it, me it off. She needs to on, fucking win something. It just came out on Blu-ray last week. Uh, so you can go to Bulmers and buy it for twelve ninety-seven. So That's a good ooh, deal. I'd get it. That's quite a good I would deal. get it. Not, not a bad deal. I, prob- okay. I probably will get it. Spencer, why don't we talk about our number one movie of the year, seeing that it is definitely the same thing, unless you for some reason moved up like Free Guy. I think I know one. it. No, yeah, we can definitely just dive right back into it because it was Nate's number five. It is Coda. Coda, yeah. Coda. I knew it. We knew have it. an episode <laughs> of this movie paired with The Kissing Booth 3, so you can go back to our <laughs> podcast feed and listen to that, uh, where we just wow. tear apart Kissing Booth 3 and just uh, close out that chapter in our fucking lives and moved really on to combo. Coda, which was a very nice kind of palate cleanser because, yeah, Coda was the big Sundance hit of uh, last year. It had like a record-breaking deal at like twenty-five million dollars for uh, Apple to distribute it on Apple Plus, and yeah, it's just like the feel-good movie of the year. It just performances all around are fantastic, and it's 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 creeping up, and it's getting nominations from all of the award circuits. Like it got good, the second ensemble, it fucking deserves it. Got it. Golden Globe stuff, and um, it's not really winning much, but I think that also now. Um, Troy Kushner, the, the the father, is going to get a Best Supporting Actor nomination. So that oh is my god, going to be that would be amazing. Awesome. I can't wait um, for that to happen. I hope it happens. Um, yeah, no, Coda is just yeah, it's amazing. I I've <laughs> no seen it sex three times. ever again. So that's why it's my number one. Because <laughs> I've seen it three separate times and loved it each time. So yeah, there's great, great so movie. many scenes in this movie that not only do they just like bring a tear to your eye, but they just give you that emotional grasp that you want from a film like this. It's nostalgic. It feels very close to home. I mean, you look at the poster, there's literally a lighthouse and a fishing boat in the background. Like we're from new England. It's all there. It's that kind of coming of age concept that I, I personally love. And then they have this whole added idea of this, the coda and this, this, this daughter that's trying to do something that her parents can't even understand they can't even really feel it the way that she does like the scene that's in the the high school gym you know when they they just have to basically go off everybody else's reactions to what's happening on stage to feel the emotion yeah, they're like nudging each other and like, they're like oh they're, they, yeah. they almost want to like they're like what's happening should we go like it's like but then they see how everyone else is reacting to it and it's like oh i guess we should yeah. clap now it's it's a whole world of film that I, I've never really seen it portrayed like this and the fact that they use the actual deaf actors and everything like their performances are genuine like actually genuine and they were so good in the movie and Amelia Jones is she is on the cusp of just blowing up if she hasn't already you know she oh, is she just already has kind phenomenal of yeah, she's on the Hollywood Reporter's um, round table with the actresses like she's been in some of the uh, 
conversation for awards and stuff. And yeah, she's she's so deserving good. of it. She's fantastic. But yeah, the multifaceted the- singing and acting talent is just phenomenal. I really want to spoil it. What's but the I spoil? Can't. Like, my favorite part in the movie is when the father says one word. He just says go. Because she they're like she's getting ready to leave to go to Berkeley and she's like having second thoughts and she like comes back and the father just puts his hand on her shoulder and says, Go and he just says yeah. one word and that's where the tears started to flow. I was like, Oh my god. Then yeah, it cuts to like the me. shot of her in the car where she's like this. At, exactly like, from from yeah. the from the trailer. Yeah. It it yeah. it's just so much emotion, so much just ups and downs, and it's everything you want from a coming to age movie. It's it's just so good. If you haven't seen it, yep. this is my biggest recommend of the year. Most of the time, like I'm like people are like, "Oh, what movie should I watch?" I'm like, "Coda." Do you have Apple TV Plus? No. Well, then I don't fucking know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's not on physical media, unfortunately. But yeah, it's like I don't yeah, know. That's the that's my recommendation. I have no it's other. It's great. Ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Coda. All right. Coda. Damn. Cool. Those are some good movies. Gotta There's say, good ones this, definitely this good year. movies. Nate, you did your uh, 10 through 6. Now I just kind of want to list mine as well. Uh, at 10, I had mm-hmm. Don't Look Up. Number 9, I had Belfast. Number 8, Spencer. Number 7, Power of the Dog. Number 6, The Green Knight. So yeah. so very similar very almost. Similar, yeah, because we had because Belfast and Don't Look Up as the similarities. And Spencer, we had a lot of yeah, overlaps. Uh, I don't know. I, just, I have the list open. But. I'll give you mine, I, I suppose. Number 6, King Richard. With John Barenthal, amazing. Number seven, the worst person in the world. A Quiet Place, part two. Ooh, our friend, okay. which was my number wow. one for a while, and Spider Man No Way Home. Fucking amazing fun. movie. Oh, okay, fun. And movie. then Dune Very came fun. in at eleven. Very fun. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Do you guys have a shitty movie? Yeah. So I do want to oh, move sure on do. now that we've given our favorite movies of twenty twenty one. I do want to just you know. One stinker. We don't have to do a whole dedicated episode on the worst movies because it's not worth our time. But one stinker. One movie that just wasted our times. Because, yeah. you know, fucking A. Those movies exist. I worked on one. Um, so <laughs> I'll give mine first because why not? Uh, I'll change up the order. This movie, I I put it Can on. Can we be nice? Be nice to her. I put it on because I just was very bored. I think it was like a Sunday afternoon. had nothing going on. Uh, it was in the middle of summer. And I it had a lot of hype. It had a lot of marketing. I was like, all right, I'll just, you know what, fuck it. I'll watch it. It was one of those stupid hybrid releases of streaming in, in theaters. And it was Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh. oh. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've never gonna... seen the first Space Jam. I don't have any nostalgia for the Looney Tunes besides like Elmer Fund or Fudge or something with the like Elmer Fudd. 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 And, um, Elmer Fudd. 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 Thank you. I want to say Fudd. <laughs> Spencer also uh, doesn't give two shits about sure. basketball either. I don't have any nostalgia for the Looney Tunes, and I don't watch the NBA, so I still don't know why in the living fuck I watched <laughs> Space Jam: A New Legacy because this movie was it's a movie horrible. Just it's LeBron James don't acting. Care. In a film, trying to like be dramatic at times, they had this whole side story with the son being kidnapped in this like metaverse, and it was trying to be like Ready Player One with all of like 
Warner Brothers properties, like just like a bunch of cameos from different Warner Brothers films, like Batman and Iron Giants in the movie. It's like whatever. Like, like the the Clockwork Orange people are in the movie too. It's so stupid. It's terrible, and uh, hmm. <laughs> it's definitely. Uh, it's not my worst movie of the year. There was two others uh, that beat it, but I just had to shout out Space Jam: The New Legacy because it just—I feel like it wasted my time the most, and it was two hours. It was over two hours. So that's a long yeah. movie. It's a long movie. You know what? Also, so, over two hours, the worst person in the world. It is yeah, two hours and seven, seven minutes. minutes, but it utilizes uh, runtime. So it did, yeah. but I was like, "Damn, I need a break. This is emotional." <laughs> uh, Nate, what was your? dud of the year i suppose not necessarily your worst but a movie that was just like wow that sucked this director just can't keep a steady flow going and i don't think he ever will again mr m night Shyamalan. why oh, did you make never old? saw it oh my god Aww. like it could have been cool it wasn't, <laughs> and he and he had a bigger part in this than he needed to, and another Alex Wolf performance that's just very blah. The only good person in this movie was Thomas and Mackenzie. She's the oh. only one that was any good in this movie. Like, yeah, just M Night. <sighs> <laughs> He's got to stop. Like, I, I don't I don't want to tell people, like, how to live their lives, but, dude, you should stop directing. <laughs> I would I would say just stop, because... Take a breather. Maybe write yeah. a script that's good. Come back to it later. Or, yeah, just because this one, like... And the whole thing at the end that always has to be a M. Night twist, it was just really, really bad. Just almost laughably bad and i was i think this was like one of the first movies i went back to see in theaters so i don't know why i did that but you saw it again like oh, okay one of the first i'm glad I, I i'll never not be glad to have watched a movie just because i like adding films to like the memory bank but this this one i would definitely trade in for something else <laughs> like for sure it was just a very boring almost two hour movie i think and it just it went nowhere it was just it was dumb it was just very very dumb i deliberately avoided it because i just Good. have a feeling that i am not gonna vibe with it and i like i'm not Shyamalan, and i will happily see his other movies uh if they're interesting um but yeah i just i had no interest in this plot i think it kind of sounded silly and just it could have know. been cool, but the way hey, it was done was just kind of too much. Have you heard about his next project? No. Okay. No. After watching this, Hold I'm on, not bro. really interested in him, though. It's called... What's the concept? I think... I I'm, I don't know exactly what the title is, but I think the title is something like A Knock at the a knock in the Cabin in the Woods or something. It's something like that. A Knock at the Cabin in the Woods or A Knock at the Cabin, something like that. But... It is going to star Dave Bautista, and it's Emma Shyamalan who wrote and directed it, and it's all mm-hmm. going to be in one take. How is Dave Bautista going to do that? 
I don't know. I don't what know is his attention span? His attention span is, I don't his know. Attention I don't span is like, it's going to be a horror thriller, and it's in the cabin in the woods, and one take with Dave Batista. I don't know how that it's fucking going to happen, but like, I want to see it, because like I want to see how they're fucking going to pull that off. That should be a Guinness know. World Record. I don't think he's literally There's got to be cuts in there. That. Yeah, I don't there's, know. There's there gonna, has to be yeah, hidden cuts. I'm sure there's going to be like the Birdman, like, hide the cuts, try to find them, but I don't know. During, like, time. I hope he tries to hide them really poorly. Blumhouse, so they're going to throw some money at it. But, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. That's probably going to be bad. All right, John, what's your shit? uh, (laughs) I I just want to say, Shyamalan has such a way of letting you down. That's all he's done the last decade for me. It's like, dude. And I should have known. Hype and then let down. That is Shyamalan in a fucking nutshell. Okay. The glass wasn't great. No, it wasn't. It It was was bad. Good. Like, it was okay. But. It was, it was, Sarah Paulson, just fuck off sometimes, you know? Drowned it wasn't her fault, but she didn't help. <laughs> yeah, I know, really? He drowned in a fucking puddle. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that yeah, fucker. Yeah, I know, Spencer, trust me, it still stings. Um, This is a tough one for me, because there's a lot of movies that I thought were t- really bad this year. Um, two that might be my choice um but i do want to mention that two of my bottom five both star chloe grace moret so good job chloe yeah um but yeah i am going to talk about the little things i it's my 13th worst of the year but it needs to be mentioned in the fact that this movie has rami malik denzel washington and jared leto all acting in different films <laughs> it's so true. It looked like a lifetime it's movie. So true. They're this all movie, in a different movie. Yeah. It's when HBO came out with like, okay, every week we're gonna release a new movie. It was like Tom and Jerry, The Conjuring, no, it was the hybrid the release things. of yeah, like the the big Warner Brothers films that are yeah, Warner Brothers slate was going to HBO Max. Yeah, that was one. That it was, was the first an, one. It looks so cool. Oh, this investigation thriller with Denzel Washington's The Cop and Rami Malek. Zodiac Seven. Yeah. It looked sick. It was so bad. It was just, it was boring. The, the concept didn't make any sense. The twists and turns they tried to go for were dumb yeah, and unrealized at all. Yeah. It's messy. Jared Leto was okay. Everybody in their respective performances was, was okay. <laughs> Jared fucking Leto and stupid, like, walk. <laughs> yeah, stupid it, walk, like walking down a like, sidewalk. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, do you have like, a rod in the back of your fucking spine? He was like Mr. Favor <laughs> walking down the hallway. Sorry. <laughs> it was, it was, Sorry. Middle school reference, was, dude. He like bounced when he walked. It was such a letdown. With three great actors, like Rami Malik. I mean, come on, man. This is three Oscar winning actors. Literally three Oscar winning. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much how they hyped it Denzel, up in the trailer. Like, this looks Jared. awesome. Yeah. It was just so just boring and bleak and well, just, just the, the ending was, was terrible. Stupid. Anyways. Yeah. We don't have to do it. Yeah. Huh. No, it's not good. There's a lot of other worse movies this year, but this is, I would say the most disappointing because this was one of the first movies we we're going to talk about on mainstream boys. And it was just like, wow, that was, that was bad. Yeah. Oh, if, if we're going off disappointing movies, Conjuring, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So I'm glad a I got fired. Oh my fucking god, I'm a little started. higher on that one, but it was bad. Yeah, where the <laughs> fuck did they fall off? Like quickly, they did the first Conjuring, amazing. Second one, I love the second one, just as good. The third one, it was the third one, just felt like I, I took a shit and it just burned, and I was wiping with sandpaper. 
Like that's yeah. how it felt watching that movie, and I was so let down that's by basically it. the keto diet. No, I mean I think he was uh, just working on Malignant or something else, and then he was like, I don't really care. I don't like finishing franchises. Yeah, but this is a good franchise that he fucked up. Well, he produced it, so he gave the money <laughs> like, to make a shitty movie. Uh, he literally does just, that though. Yeah, he makes two Insidious movies. Fucks off. <laughs> yeah, makes two Conjuring movies. Fucks off. He's making That's two Aquaman he movies. Is he probably gonna fuck off and go make Scrappy Doo? <laughs> you and Scrappy Doo always comes up randomly. You <laughs> big Scrappy Doo like he's live action Scooby Doo fan. Directed happen, by yeah. James Wan. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could see Spencer at like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade with a Scrappy Doo balloon. It's like a, the poster. Yes, is Spencer Scrappy holding Doo a really small, but like the, his shadows casted is really big on like this like brick wall behind him. Yeah. Oh, it's massive. Yeah, it's massive. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. 2021. We can now. Take that year of movies, we can Bury it squish in a it into a little trench. fucking ball, and just kind of Kobe it into the trash and never talk about oh, it. Oh, R.I.P. But we're not really that R. athletic, R. so we probably misses by quite a bit. But, um, no, it's more of an homage now if you say Kobe, so it's okay. It? Well, yeah, no, we uh, that's 2021. Yeah, I still have a couple more movies that I do want to check out, like yeah, Licorice Pizza, Red Rocket, Nightmare Alley. Uh, couple other probably foreign films but once the oscars Drive get announced car. i think that'll kind of solidify all the films i need to kind of check out for the rest yes. of the year yeah. we'll it's see, usually we'll a separate list happens. for you when it comes down to it month but i feel like we're ahead of the game i think all of us are ahead of the game but that's also because of accessibility we can access these movies a lot easier now but um yeah which is always a plus always a plus so. but anyways yeah uh that's it if you want to see more podcasts, comment and give us movie recommendations, and maybe we'll watch them. I will. Or maybe not. I will. Spencer I definitely will. Someone tells me to watch a movie. I will think about it. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Great. Well, hot diggity damn, you made it to the end of the episode. I'm never going to say that again. I'm so I am very much regretting it, but I'm going to keep keep it going. Um, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Those Movie Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to our favorite films of 2021. I know it was kind of a long episode, but thank you for sticking with us. Let us know what your favorite films of 2021 are. I mean, leave a comment in our Instagram post. Uh, DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, yeah, just let us know what your favorite movies of 2021 are, and let's get the conversation going. Let's chat, you know? We'll, we'll respond. We'll try to, at least. Um, but at the beginning of the episode, I kind of teased that I'd reveal what our season five premiere is going to be. And that's going to be a week from when this episode drops. So I think that date is uh, Thursday, March 3rd. But the season five premiere is going to be Leon the Professional. So John bought that Blu-ray uh, a couple months ago. He had never seen the film. So that is why he picked it. And we did a deep dive discussion of it. So go, you know, take a week. Watch Leon the Professional if you haven't seen it. It's on Netflix. It's on HBO Max. So it's you know it's accessible. You can go and check it out for yourself. And then, yeah, come back next week for our deep dive of Leon the Professional. I feel like I've said the name like seven times already. But, yeah, yeah, it's a good episode. And it comes out next week. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening to another episode. We really appreciate you. Let us know some movies that we should watch in the future. And, yeah, toodle-loos, motherfucker.